Hey everyone, this is Aaron here from Slab Stocks, and we're coming at you with a new podcast series. Um, today we are joined by Tyler Wagner, who is a former MLB pitcher. He pitched for the Brewers, the Diamondbacks, and in the AAA affiliate for the Rangers. Uh, Tyler, you want to say hey and just give a little background about yourself to start? Yeah, absolutely. What's up, guys? Um, yeah, so I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, went to high school at Coronado and Bishop Gorman. I played shortstop there. Um, Pitched like two or three games, but played shortstop mostly. Um, got a, a scholarship to go to the University of Utah to play shortstop. Went there, played my freshman year a little bit. Um, went to summer ball and pitched and played um, shortstop. So two-way and then came back my sophomore year of college at Utah and just decided to pitch. Um, so then I started closing games in Utah. Um, I think I had like three or four saves my sophomore year. Um, and then came back my junior year. We, we, um, got into the move from the mountain West to the pac 12. Um, so it was a little different style of baseball. Um, and didn't, didn't do too well in the save category. We only had 14 wins. We were 14 and 42. Um, so it was a little hard to be the closer there. Um, but then I got drafted 2012. Um, in the fourth round to the Milwaukee Brewers um, and kind of just started my career from there. Awesome. Uh, definitely sounds like you had a lot of maybe difficulties going through there being a two-way player. Um, what was the hardest part about transitioning from shortstop to pitcher? Um, I think, I mean, it's a totally different um, lifestyle. It's, you know, in college I was, I was doing both um, my f- yeah, my freshman year. So it was a lot of work, you know, doing infield drills, going to hit and doing pitching drills, running with pitchers, doing PFPs. So it was tough to do both. Um, so it was, it was obviously a lot better when I came back my sophomore year and, you know, pitched that year just as a pitcher. That I mean, that, that helped a lot of just focusing on doing one thing. Um, and then at, when I got drafted in 2012, I switched from being a closer to uh, they made me a starter. Um, right when I got drafted. So, and, and the difference between those two was, was pretty drastic as well. So did they, when you were drafted, did they talk, uh, when they called you, did they say, Hey, we're drafting you as a starter. Like when did they uh, let you know that they were going to try you out as a starter? No, uh, right. When I got to uh, rookie ball in Helena, Montana, um, they said, you know, we're going to convert you as a starter. We see you having long-term success as a starter. So let's, let's, um, start there and then you can always go back. Um, but you know, I, I pitched pretty much my whole career as a starter. How hard was it to switch into a starter's routine after being a uh, relief pitcher? Yeah, it was, it was a lot different. I mean, just as far as mentality wise and being locked in, you know, pitching to a certain game plan, going through a lineup three times. I mean, there's a lot of different stuff, you know, mindset. And, you know, physically with the amount of pitches that you're throwing, the four days off between the bullpen day, um, you know, different workout routine. Um, so it was, it was very, very different. But luckily from pro ball, you know, on, I, I got to be a starter and be into that routine and kind of learn how to pitch as a starter. Was it um, – I'm looking at your stats here. And in college, the most innings you pitched in a year was 42. Yeah. I think that and was then- – Right. 2012 yeah and then in 2013 all of a sudden you jumped up to 148 <laughs> and now that's a little bit that's a little bit deceiving because obviously 
after you got drafted in rookie ball, you pitched 48 innings. So that's a total of 90 or so innings um, that one year, but then you jumped up 58 innings the next year. Was that uh, stressful on you to jump that high of amount of innings in a one year time span or no, I take us through that? Yeah. You said that in 2013, I jumped. So that was my, yeah. Yeah. So that was my first year in the Midwest league. That was in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. Um, no, I, I think, you know, just having a, a solid foundation in the minor league system, whether that's, you know, pitching coach, trainer, um, you know, strength conditioning guy, and just learning learning from those people that they have in place at that level, um, you know, as far as teaching your routines and, you know, how to recover and do, you know, all the, all the stuff that they've learned over their whole careers as being strength coach and, you know, um, trainer you know all those all those things you got to learn from that as quickly as possible and implement them into your routine so i think having that foundation at that level was was solid for me okay so eventually once you're working through the Meyer leagues you end up getting the call in 2015 to the brewers um what was that like as a moment for you and did you expect it to come and what kind of led to the final decision for the brewers to bring you up and right from double a actually yeah, I was in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. I uh, had been throwing well for like a month. I think it was like May, May eighteenth or something. Um, but they uh, Willie Peralta went down at the big league level with a oblique thing, um, so they needed to bring up a starter. Uh, the guys on the roster were Taylor Taylor Youngman and Tyler Thornburg. They were both in AAA at the time, um, so those were the two first options and. and for some reason, they skipped over those two and uh, put me, added me to the roster and called me up from AA um, for that start. And then uh, I made that start. That, that night we went, I think it was 16 or 18 innings. And Matt Garza, who was supposed to start the next day, had to throw five innings in my game. So the only option was for them to get, bring in a new pitcher for the, for the next game. To, you know, tomorrow. And so I got sent right back down to double A. <laughs> you know, obviously that's pretty unfortunate to get sent back down right away, but how did your career like transform from there? Because I'm um, looking here and you played three games in total in 2015 at the Brewers, but then you went to the Diamondbacks in 2016 um, and ended up pitching uh, with them for three games. Mm-hmm. How, how did that kind of lead into that transition to the Diamondbacks? Yeah, I mean, I got. Or, or, uh, can go you ahead. take us before you get into the Diamondbacks? Can you take us through what it was like to be traded? Yeah, definitely. So I played the rest of that year in Double A. We made it. We made it all the way to the championship in Double A, and um, so after we lost the championship in Game Five of the championship series for Double A, uh, there was a couple of us that got called up in September. So I think I made two starts then. One in St. Louis and one against Chicago, maybe. Yeah, and then so we went through that off season. I I would go to Fan Fest in Milwaukee. It was like January thirty first or something, and um, I get a phone call from the GM. He says that we traded you to the Diamondbacks. Um, thank you for you know everything you did. Good luck. And <laughs> so I was at Brewers Fan Fest, about to go down to Whoa. dinner, and I get traded. Did you still go to the team dinner? Heck yeah, it was at a uh, carnival. <laughs> oh, there we go. I had to go get a nice steak, have some 
uh, awkward interactions with <laughs> the coaching staff and everything because I was traded. Oh, but, man. <laughs> so it was a nightmare. But then, yes, yeah, so then I go to spring training with the, the Diamondbacks, start in AAA, um, and then get called up to be in long relief with the Diamondbacks. So I throw, I think, two innings, and then I have one or two days off, and then I throw five innings out of relief. And then I have two days off, and then I throw three innings out of relief. So it was a, you know, a quick turnaround for me being a, being a starter and then having to, to go do that. So I couldn't throw anymore. They needed a new arm. So they optioned me to AAA. And then my next start in AAA, I had a lap strain, and I was out the rest of the year. That's really obviously another unfortunate event with the with the injury. But to highlight something here, you did get your first win with the Diamondbacks um, yeah. out of one of those long relief stints. How did that feel? Uh, walk me through the feeling of being an MLB win. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. We were in San Francisco, and I think – I threw, yeah, that's when I threw the five shutout innings in relief. Um, so I mean, it was it was awesome. I, I you know, to, you have- to share that with your teammates and you know understand, you know, and enjoy how how important that was in my career was was awesome. Do you have a game ball from that game? Oh yeah, absolutely. What was your, that? Uh, your parents' house? That's actually in my office. Hey, my dad, my dad has the the jersey from my debut and the lineup card from my debut frame. There nice. you go. Yeah. What was your uh, most satisfying strikeout in your MLB career? Ooh. Or MILB? Or MILB? I mean, MLB career stands out to me. I I think I had bases loaded with Bryant up, and I Ooh. threw him a three-two changeup for a punch up. Oh, there we go. Wait to see it. Wait uh-huh. to see it. Love, love that it's against the Cubbies. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, definitely. So after that Diamondback season, you end up with the Rangers for a full year in AAA. Um, was there ever any thought that you could come up to the MLB that year? Because you, because you did not make an appearance ever with the Rangers um, in the MLB. But was it ever, like was it constantly on your mind as you were pitching through the season? Was it something hard to to deal with? I mean, it was a tough situation for me because. Um, so I got DF at the end of the year with the Diamondbacks. Since I couldn't pitch, they DFA'd me, so they took me off the roster. I got claimed by the Rangers. So I'm like, okay, look, someone else is going to give me a shot. So I go to spring training, um, throw okay, get optioned to AAA, go to go to AAA. I have one my first start. I go five shutout. My second start, I give up eleven hits and seven runs, and then I get DFA'd by the Rangers. So they, they took me off the roster within two weeks of the season. So it was, it was tough for me mentally um, to not, you know, as soon as I got DFA'd, I think I, I thought in my head that I had to do something completely different because what I was doing, you know, sink, throwing sinkers, getting ground balls um, was not what they wanted. So I, I completely tried to change who I was as a pitcher and tried to throw harder and try to throw, you know, four seams and try to just be a pitcher that, that I wasn't. And it, you know, didn't work out. So I was, I was constantly in my own head trying to, you know, pitch in a different, you know, in a different repertoire for the Rangers. So it was a tough situation for me, but it is what it is. And, um, you know, I just wasn't good enough at adapting to, uh, you know, how, what, what types of pitchers, you know, were successful in MLB at the time. 
Right. So eventually that led to you not making an MLB team. And then from what I remember is you tried to come back this year in 2019, but what exactly happened then? Yeah, I mean, I went to uh, Venezuela to play uh, winter ball this off season. Loved it. Threw pretty decent. Um, then I came back and, you know, thought I was going to get a job offer, you know, triple A job offer, um, you know, just to go to spring training to compete for a job. Uh, it seemed like, you know, nobody was interested. I threw from some teams doing what I have been doing for the past five years, um, throwing sinkers, locating well, good off speed. Um, and just nobody was interested. Um, so I had some offers to go to Indy ball, um, decided that I did not want to do that. And then kind of just transitioned right into uh, what I'm doing now. Yeah. So you want to you want to give a shout out to what you're doing now, just so everyone can hear what you're doing and what what you work for. Yeah, definitely. Um, now I'm doing athlete branding, marketing, content creation, um, merchandise, the whole the whole thing. So uh, right now I'm on on full time with Trevor Bauer, um, launching his YouTube. Um, you know, content series on Instagram and Twitter um, and just kind of helping him out with all of his personal stuff. So it's something that, you know, I've wanted to do for a while and I did for myself on my own social media platforms and, you know, reaching out to companies and, um, you know, creating my own content and, you know, doing fan interaction stuff, giveaways, different things that, that um, I think athletes are, are lacking in the industry right now um, as far as a personal branding aspect of it um so i'm I'm pretty pumped to be to be able to do that um, with him right now and, and you know hopefully help some other guys out as well how much does being a former baseball player help with you knowing you know exactly what you should do for trevor because if like me thinking it's like oh man like you're a past baseball player like you know exactly what to do now because you experienced it you know how to you know appeal to the fans etc like I feel like you're in a very advantaged situation here, being able to do branding and content creation for other baseball players, considering you were one yourself. For sure. Yeah. And I think that's why kind of like the opportunity was too, too good and too perfect for me to, to pass up, Um, you know, just being in the situation I am and and seeing a need for that in the industry. Um, So I'm, I'm pretty pumped to, to help him out. And I think, you know, that, that, that brings a big value um, of me kind of understanding, you know, when he has a, whatever, let's say a, a, a bad outing, um, you know, and, and content is supposed to come out the next day, you know, to maybe hold off for, you know, one day on that, or, you know, just, just trying to understand, um, you know, what, whatever you want to call it, have some feel, you know, of, of the content that needs to be put out um, is going to be huge. And, and, you know, doing fan interaction stuff, understanding that, you know, um, doing merchandise giveaways and tickets, you know, interactions and, you know, EP passes of, you know, when fans meet him for, you know, right on the field for BP, just doing all the stuff that I've seen that fans love doing with interacting with their favorite players. Um, I want to bring that to be more of a a normal thing where, where fans are interacting with the players that they love. That's actually super awesome. And as a fan myself, I love hearing that, that people are actively attempting to, you know, make it more interactive because uh, as a baseball fan, I must say, you know, a lot of my friends personally don't, don't exactly like baseball. Um, but I think that there's definitely opportunity out there to, 
take it on the head and go for it and to get more young fans into the game. It seems like you're doing that. Um, and then with that, uh, do you want to, you know, talk about any specific content you're creating? Because I know that your YouTube channel, uh, the watch momentum is gaining traction. Uh, do you want to talk about some of the things that Tyler or excuse me, uh, Trevor is doing on there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, uh, right now he's got a, uh, 12, 12 episode, um, YouTube series called Bauer Bites. Um, he sits down with Nolan Arenado, uh, Whit Merrifield, Josh Hader, Jason, you know, Kipnis. Um, I'm trying to think of who's in there. Uh, Mike Clevenger. Um, so there's 12 guys that he sits down with and, and has dinner with, and they go over, you know, best minor league story, their off-season hobbies, um, music they like, just kind of like an insider, you know, cool stories of you know, growing up. So just like an insider look as to, you know, the personal side of these guys um, and try to try to promote them as people and have, have their fans understand that, you know, they have a side, you know, personality outside of baseball, you know, that is, that is worth, um, you know, having attention to. Um, so he's doing that currently right now. Um, they've got a lot of different documentaries um, being filmed right now and, um, you know, just different things to, to give fans an insider look as to, um, you know, the game of baseball and, and providing that content to be able to promote that player in a positive way and, and to, to have that player's image be under the control of, of himself, you know? And I think that that's going to be a very valuable thing moving forward in, in the, the, the whole culture of baseball. So what he's doing with that is, is pretty special, but on his personal side, you know, the day in the life of, of his YouTube channel, um, you know, showing that, you know, he builds drones on the side and, um, you know, he likes 3d printers and he, um, you know, all of his different recovery techniques that he's you know on the forefront of, um, you know, right now in the game and, and, uh, you know, showing his training you know, regimen and, and what he goes through and all that different stuff, just kind of giving a, a more in-depth look into his life. You know, we're just going to document what he does on the regular. So I think uh, being able to provide that for, for his fans is going to be super, super important. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I heard you mention about uh, off the field hobbies and him with his drones and stuff. Uh, sounds like a perfect uh, way to lead into the, the next segment of the podcast with what you're doing currently on the side um, and really how we got involved with you. So for viewers that um, don't know, Nathan and I here, the co-host right now, run a uh, sports card uh, research Instagram page and Twitter account and Facebook group um, that really aims to the trends in the marketplace, uh, educating buyers on what to buy, how, how to make money uh, through different grading with uh, third-party grading companies. So one day, Tyler uh, or Nathan and I were, uh, doing, a, were uh, doing a live stream. And also, the, the company is called Slab Stocks, for those of you that don't know. There we go. So Slab Stocks is the company. <laughs> and and we, we were doing a live stream on Instagram that we do every Sunday. And Tyler pops in. And I remember he followed me quite some time back. That You know, I get a lot of followers, so I never really think to go and poke around on some people's pages. Um, but Tyler pops in with the blue check mark. And I was like, oh, Nate, that's Tyler Wagner. And Nate goes... <laughs> Wrong. I was like, what? Former Brewers prospect Tyler Wagner? Wasn't expecting it. And and then from there, Tyler's just, you know, really into 
saying that we're legends, which is crazy to hear from a past MLB player. And that's, you know, he's, he obviously recognizes the expertise we have in the industry. And I could tell that, you know, he kind of want to get involved. So I said, Tyler, I'm going to DM you after this, this live stream and let's talk. Well, of course I forget to DM Tyler. And then a day later, Tyler DMs me. And from there, we start talking about different ways that Tyler can get involved with card collecting, uh, card investing, really. Um, so, Tyler, you want to speak a little bit about what you're investing in and uh, the, the specific cards that you're looking at and maybe a couple players that you're watching? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a super exciting time for, you know, the whole industry for sure. And, uh, you know, me getting back into this, you know, things, you know, I think I, I had cards when I was whatever, you know, 10, 12, you know, I had, I had Jeter rookie cards and, you know, Gary Sheffield, my favorite player at the time, rookie card. Oh, boo. Yeah, I know. Gary Sheffield so, hated the Brewers. So, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I, it's kind of bringing it back, um, you know, to my childhood of, of, you know, seeing baseball cards, collecting guys that I like. Um, and now, you know, looking at it more of a, a business side of it and, you know, an investment side of it, um, I think that the industry is going to be awesome to be in. And, um, you know, obviously having um, certain guys that I like, certain guys that you guys turn me on to, um, specific, you know, series that you guys turn me on to. So just just being able to have that information and, and uh, kind of being on the – on the forefront of, of getting guys, you know, who you truly believe in, you know, that are good players that are going to last a long time. I think for me, that's, that's the players that I'm looking for is, is guys that I'm going to hold on to for a while when they have, you know, 10 year careers. And when they have a year where they're MVP and hit, you know, 45 jacks or, you know, have lead league and strikeout. So I'm looking for those guys who are going to be long-term holds for me. Um, and I think, I'm also taking, uh, you know, big risks on guys early on in their careers, um, you know, that I personally believe in, kind of maybe have a little more emotion in that than, you know, some of these other guys. Like, um, you know, I, tr I trained in Arizona at the same facility as Matthew Libertor. And, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, knowing his work ethic and, and the, the conversations that we, we've had, you know, about pitching and, and to see how, um, mature he is, you know, at such a young age. I think I look for stuff like that where I'm buying his cards, what I deem and what you guys deem um, slab stocks as, as undervalued at that time. Um, that's where I'm trying to buy. So, and then also the other side of it, you know, obviously buying um, for me, well-established big leaguers that are going to have very successful careers like a Alex Bregman. Um, you know, and guys like, you know, Bryant, I'm getting Bryant's and Jose Barrios and, and guys like that who are already established that I can trust with a long-term uh, investment as well. So those are some of the different avenues I, I like going into, and I'm sure that'll expand over time, but, but that's what I'm on right now. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there's a lot of guys in the game that are too concerned about short-term and short-term flipping that they lose sight of how valuable long-term investing can be. And Tyler is really one of the first people I've personally uh, helped out for the long term, um, which, you know, it's the safest way to play. A lot of people are trying to invest in these, uh, as Nathan would call them, like tooled up prospects. 
that have insane athleticism, uh, you know, massive power, but they just can't hit the ball like Monta Harrison or, you know, someone yep. that maybe Jordan Adams would turn into in the future, but we're hoping not. Um, and with that, you know, Tyler's really carving out a good way to purchase cards to sit on. Um, I remember the first thing that he told me was he wanted to be able to buy these and uh, put them away and forget about them and then pull them out later and just know that they're worth thousands of dollars more. So yep. definitely doing a good way to do that right now. Um, and with that, if our audience does not know, uh, Tyler himself actually had a 2015 Bowman Chrome first prospect autograph. So That's he cool. himself actually signed them. Um, and didn't you buy a couple actually recently? Yeah, I did. Let me, uh, let me go to that transaction. I think, I think I have two of them. So yeah, I overpaid for both. <laughs> One is a 2015 Bowman Chrome orange refractor, uh, BGS 9.5. And the other is an ungrade, and I paid thirty dollars for that, so that's about twenty nine dollars over market value. <laughs> and I got a two thousand fifteen uh, gold refractor auto raw. How much that one? Twenty dollars. So I paid nineteen dollars over market value for that. I was gonna say the real the real overpay sounds like the gold that's not even graded for uh, ten dollars less than the orange that's graded. <laughs> yeah, at least at that point you're paying for the case, right? <laughs> Absolutely, but at the same time, like. That card will never be sold again. Exactly. True. You always have it. You know. Now, so are you gonna I, Are you gonna go for the rainbow of yourself? Get I mean, the, yeah. Get if the I red. If the super, you're just gonna start buying 2015 boxes of Bowman and just ripping them all until you find Tyler Wagner Super Factor. Watch, watch me spending a thousand dollars trying to do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have not seen it sold yet on the public marketplace. So for all we know, it's either stashed in a uh, Brewers collection or. It is in a, in a box out there, so maybe someday you will definitely hit that. With with having an autograph, obviously you have to sign them and go through a signing time. Uh, can you talk about how many you signed or exactly how that went? Because a lot of us collectors have no idea how it happens, and we don't know if you get instructions on to keep them, you know, not getting damage. At that time, I'm sure you didn't even know what grading a card was. So how did that play out? Yeah, I mean, now looking back on it, I obviously remember these cards specifically but they're you know the ones that are, are worth something um yeah so i think you know tops or bowman will come to you with a deal to sign what i think i signed a total of five thousand cards um and obviously they have those you know set out as far as regulars um you know the color the colored ones and you know all the all the different things and they have those set out and for me, there was no specific instructions on how to handle the cards, but uh, I, I, I can't speak for um, you know a higher prospect whose card you know they value way more than what they did at my time. Maybe they gave him um, specifics on on handle how to handle it, but for me, it was it was kind of just you know I sat down for probably three hours straight and signed you know two thousand cards at a time. Um, that's wild. Yeah, they bring you the box, you sign them, put them back in the box, and and uh, on they go. But I never, at that time, I never really understood the card industry of what this one was going to be worth, and um, you know, just anything about the cards. I kind of just signed them and and went on my way. Yeah, because speaking to a guy like Wander Franco, the uh, now number five prospect at LLB Pipeline, you know, when he's signing a card, he's signing a red refractor autograph. 
And he probably has no clue that what he's touching and when he signs it, it goes from $0 to $40,000 with just his signature. Um, yeah, if I, if I knew that at the time, I would have took them all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of, speaking of Tyler Wagner cards, uh, your profile picture on Baseball Cube, because I'm looking at it right now because I was looking at your college stats, is your first Bowman. Card. Is it really? Yep. Nice. That's probably exactly where they took the picture from. <laughs> Went to the exact website and just took it right off there. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. No, no, I mean it's legit. The card has the Bowman logo, the first. Everything. Oh, no way. That's that's okay. Now that's actually wild. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> So obviously, signing the cards was a thing that you did as a prospect. Uh, but like, what else like went into being a prospect in the minor league system? Like, how? What was the difficulties that you faced? Um, you know, how was the travel? Like, were you always moving? Uh, you know, were you eating anything actually good? Stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a tough. Uh, and tough. and does any of this, uh, when you get into the answer, does any of it, um, do you think any of it will affect, like, stat-wise for investors, maybe something we should know for uh, investing in certain players? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's – you know, depending on if the guy, I mean, there's a lot of different situations, um, you know, coming up through the minors, depending on if the guy's out of high school, if he's out of college, um, you know, what leagues that he's spending time in, whether it's a pitcher's league, hitter's league, um, you know, what, you know, who he has in front of him competing for the same job, you know, as he gets closer to the big leagues is something. But, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different factors that go into um, you know, how guys perform in the minor leagues, whether, you know, they're comfortable in the cities they're in, if they're, you know, stressing about, I mean, family stuff at home, you know, there's so many factors that go into it. And, um, you know, of, of having a successful, you know, quote unquote, minor league, um, you know, coming up through the system. Um, but I mean, it just varies for, for every single guy, but you you can tell with, with some of the guys, you know, in certain leagues of, you know, to understand that, let's say, you know, they're, the, a pitcher is not going to have the best year of his career in the Cal League, you know, and, and, and understanding that, you know, there's certain parks that balls fly in and, you know, balls that get out that don't normally get out in other parks. And then there's other situations, you know, like I had in being in the Florida State League, where it's a pure pitchers, you know, league where the balls, you know, the air is heavy, the ball's not flying anywhere. So, you know, you, you kind of can look at those things and, and understand, you know, that the league has something to do with it. But I think it's more about, um, you know, the guy's work ethic, the, you know, his mentality moving forward, at, if he's going to mature as a player, um, if he's going to take his routine seriously. I mean, I think there's so many different factors that go into it, but um, definitely some, some things that I feel like I have um, the insights to, to be able to quote unquote pr predict a, a future of a player for sure. Awesome. Um, what was the, the number one biggest challenge you faced? I think yeah. understanding yeah. that, yeah, understanding that you're going to have failure and, um, if you can learn from failure and, and the things that you do wrong, then I think moving forward, everything just takes care of itself. You know, you're constantly learning, you're constantly adapting from the things that just happened to you instead of, you know, dwelling on your last outing. Now you're just focused on 
the process between outings and when you're focused on the process of you know what you're doing on the on the on the daily routine stuff then kind of everything just takes care of itself after that perfect nate you got any last questions for tyler here um i just think that what tyler just said was a good reminder to all of us in the investing industry for cards is that you know you're never going to have a perfect sale you're never going to have you know, sometimes you're going to sell too early. Sometimes you're going to sell too late. Maybe you don't recognize trends in the industry quick enough. And it's all good learning lessons for you to uh, not make the same mistake twice, which is what Aaron and I always try to preach. And with that, let's all remember that these are actual minor league players. They're all people that go through struggles with their careers um, like Tyler has faced. And I'm sure a lot of top prospects face the same thing. So you know, certain performances are not exactly indicative on their abilities. Um, and, you know, we shouldn't exactly get mad at them for having a bad week or so. Yeah. Um, or, or a bad year. Bad, you know, Jesus yeah. had family tragedy and looked like he was never going to come back with the Brewers. And now obviously he's a multi-time all-star and a significant player in the NL. Exactly. All right. Well, Tyler, any last yeah, words? I would, I, would bet on, I would bet on that guy all the time just to uh, clear that up. Gene Segura? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There you go. All right, Tyler, any last words for the audience here? No, just, uh, I mean, I, th I think you're going to hear more, a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot more of us uh, moving forward. I think um, this industry is, you know, obviously you guys have been in it for a while, but it's new to me and I think it's you know, only going to get bigger. So, um, and what you guys do is super important for the industry and the people that you guys serve. Um, so I think, I mean, there's, there's a lot more to come and look forward to it. Exactly. Sam, I very much look forward to it as well. Um, thank yeah. you for joining us, Nathan, you too. Thank you for joining yep. us. Um, and look out for our podcast and uh, make sure to follow Tyler on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, check out Watch Momentum with his, all his work with Trevor Bauer. Um, follow Nathan and I on Instagram at Slabstocks. And we will catch you guys next time.